0: hope you enjoy this message from St Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Well good morning, welcome to St Martin C3. My name is Warren Gouman, and it's great to be with you um, this morning. And we are going to dive this week into a new series called Bringing Out the Best. Uh, So I hope you enjoy it and this is the first one um, in this series. And as we Start off this series. I want to tell you a little bit about my story, my testimony. I came to faith when I was about 17 years old through uh, probably going along to a youth group and hearing the gospel for the first time clearly and impacting my life and making a decision for Christ. And that took me on the most exciting journey of my life where I encountered God in a real way and. Um, came to know what a personal relationship with God looked like. And it was awesome. It was great. And I thought, you know, a couple of years down the track that I'd know, that I then knew most things in my Christian walk that I could know or needed to know, and didn't kind of think too much more about it until I went to Bible college. Um, And that was when I was uh, 21 years old, so now four years later and when I went to Bible College we had an amazing teacher by the name of Don Ferguson and Don taught us lots of different things but one of the most life-changing courses that he took us on was our identity in Christ. We spent a whole week where Don unpacked who we are as children of God and probably more than anything else at Bible College that um, series of talks that he did completely rocked my world because i realized that yeah i understood that i was a christian but i didn't fully internalize all that it meant to be a child of god that i am now one of the king's sons the god who created this universe the god who created me the god who created the world that i live in He not only has a purpose for my life, he not only saved me, but I'm now part of his family. I now have an inheritance in him. It was the most life-changing truth that um, I came across, other than that of my salvation. And why is that? I think it's one of those deep truths that Christians need to know, because it digs right down into the depths of our heart and unpacks that question of who we are and why we're here. It shapes our identity and the way that we think about ourselves and the way that we relate to the world around us. So I want to dive into that a little bit today. And we're going to start um, with a scripture. It's Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 5 in the NIV. And it says this, Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, in the identity that we have in Christ, we receive all these spiritual blessings. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So basically what this scripture is saying is that through what Christ has done for us on the cross and in the resurrection, we are now children of God. We are now sons and daughters of the King. And all the inheritance that God has for his family get passed on to us as his children. Expressed also in Romans chapter 8, where we read this these verses, uh, Romans 8, 14 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, rather the Spirit you receive about us adoption of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. In other words, everything that Christ is going to inherit, we also inherit. Now think about that for a moment. That is mind-boggling. That is extraordinary. That we, the creation, can become children of the Creator. That we, the created, get to inherit that life that the Creator has. That's extraordinary. What that means is that you are not who others say you are. You are who God says you are, and that is an incredibly freeing truth. And if God says you're part of his family, it means that he will never leave you or forsake you. Nothing can harm you. Now that is an incredibly comforting truth. Now if we belong to the one who has the power of the universe at his disposal. then there is no evil in this world that can overcome us. That is an incredibly empowering truth. And if we are God's children, we are part of an eternal kingdom. Our life for, for now and forever is completely secured. You will live forever. And you will live forever in God's kingdom with all the inheritance that that gives you. That ought to fill us with an incredible sense of security and confidence. So, knowing our identity as a child of God is one of the most important truths for us to grasp in our Christian life. It is the very foundation of our relationship with God. It is the means by which we receive any blessing that we ever receive from God. Knowing our identity as a child of God fills us with confidence both in the present and for the future. And if you don't know that reality today, you can know it. You may even be listening to this today. And you're not even a Christian. You you go, well, I haven't even heard that there is a, a relationship that you can have with God. Let me, let me actually just pause right here and pray for you today. And my prayer is that you would grasp the truth of what Christ has done for you on the cross. And when you grasp that truth, you'll come into the realization that you really are a child of God. Let's quickly pray into that today. Lord God, we thank you that you died on the cross for us. And in doing so, you removed sin from our lives. Lord, we all sin. We've all rebelled and gone our own way. But we can return to you. We can return to a relationship with you. And we can do that through embracing what you did for us on the cross. And so, Lord, we do that now. Lord, we surrender our lives and we pray that you would forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from our, for our sin, remove sin from our lives and restore the holiness that you pur- purpose for us. And Lord, in doing this, I commit my life to you now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed... That sort of prayer, or even if you want to go back and play that a few times and make it your own meaningful prayer to God, you'll come into a relationship with God. God will answer a prayer like that. And as you do, you will be a child of His. Now, that's one step that we can take. We, we take that step into a personal relationship with Christ. And when we've taken that step, we come into this amazing revelation That we truly are God's children. But Paul takes this one step further. In 2 Corinthians 5, we read this 2 Corinthians 5 16 and 17. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, having a relationship with God, uh, a child of God, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. What Paul is saying here is that this understanding of who we are in Christ has completely changed how he sees himself. But it also has completely changed how he sees those around him. See, grasping who we are as a child of God ought to change how we think. But it also ought to change how we think about everyone else around us. And that's what I want to focus particularly on today. Because everyone who's a Christian on this planet is now your brothers and sisters in Christ. They are royalty in God's kingdom alongside you. And because of that, think about that for a moment, if they're all children of God, then they deserve a certain amount of respect and honour for who they are. Imagine if you were part of the royal family. I know that's uh, actually, in some ways, you probably wouldn't want to be, after all, the drama with Harry and Meghan and all of that sort of thing. But let's, let's just say you were. Now, so you're part of the royal family, and even though you've got brothers and sisters who are also royal, especially when you're out in public, you would speak well of them. You would speak very respectfully about your family, about your mum and dad, about, um, even if you're adopted, about your brothers and sisters. And this is the idea that Paul is conveying in this verse. He's saying, hey, we're all new creations in Christ. Now, let's treat each other in, in line with that new identity. Which means that we support, we encourage, we, we seek to bring out that new identity that people around us have, those who are in the body of Christ. That's what we're referring to as bringing out the best in each other. Uh, a while ago now, way before COVID hit, about two, coming up two years ago, I went on a trip to Fiji with Joel, and um, when I was there, there was a number of functions that I went to, and I was always referred to as Pastor Warren Gooman from New Zealand, and um, it, that, that sits a little bit uncomfortably with me, as you know, I prefer just, just Warren is fine, you don't need to honour me with titles or anything like that, but that didn't go down very well in Fijian culture. In Fijian culture, you would never dishonor a pastor, or a minister, or a vicar, or a priest, because they're held in very high regard in that culture. They're kind of, you know, very highly respected and honored. And so in that culture, when you go there, there, there's a certain amount of respect that you have. And so when I, I I picked this up pretty quickly, obviously, um, how people were treating me. But I then also realized in the other pastors that I was um, talking to and referring to, I would refer to them as Pastor Michael or Pastor Samuel or Pastor David or whoever it may be. Because I wanted to honor what was current in that culture. Do you see what I mean? So. That's what I'm talking about here is what would it look like if we honoured each other a little bit more than we do now? Rather than just seeing them as, oh, yeah, they're just other people that go to church with me. No, they're our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So, one example of that may be that I won't um, engage in joking about other people or I won't engage in unfair criticism. Of a fellow Christian because that's dishonouring what God values. There's an interesting story in the Old Testament actually where um, David has been promised by God to be the king of Israel but he's not yet king. Um, The current king is King Saul who David already knows God is going to overlook Saul. He's going to demote Saul and promote him and David has the opportunity, actually, to kill Saul. And he doesn't take the opportunity. And his men, the, the, those in his army, in his guerrilla army, so to speak, come to David and say, why didn't you take Saul's life when you had the chance? And David said, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. What we see there is the principle that what David was doing is going, I won't dishonor something that God is honoring. And maybe we could develop that same sort of attitude to the brothers and sisters in Christ around us. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1 puts it this way. Oh, Sorry, 1 Thessalonians 5 11. Encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. In other words, if we want to see relationships thrive in the church, we need to have this honouring of each other, this building each other up, this encouraging each other, having a, having a culture of that in our church. Now, I think that is already somewhat the culture of St. Martin's C3, which is fantastic. I think we are an encouraging culture. But I think there is another level that we could go to in this that Paul is talking about here of honouring the new creations that we are, the, the identity we are, that we have as children of God. You know, another example is a little bit like this. You know how in your parenting, your um, children do something that really disappoints you. They uh, disobey you or they've made a, um, a mistake where you know that you've taught them many times and they're still not... Um, putting the dishes away right or whatever it happens to be and you're disappointed in them now there's a couple of ways that you can express that disappointment you could go "Ah, oh, come on you should know better i've told you this a thousand times or another approach you could take is calling them up to a higher level of who they are and kind of phrasing a little bit like this like hey I know you're better than this. I know this isn't you. I know you're not a bully. So I don't know why I'm hearing that you're picking on people or whatever. What you're doing in there is you're referring to the best in them. Their, Their true identity as a good person, not as a naughty child. And that's kind of what Paul is talking about here when he's saying, when I talk about other Christians I'm going to talk about them as saints I'm going to talk about their identity in Christ why because that is who they are so what does that practically look like let's let's explore that um, for a moment today the first thing is that each of us need to dig deep into that truth of who we are as a child of God You won't look at other people differently, until you look at yourself differently. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who God says you are? Because there is no accidents in God. God created you. God loves you. God values you as a child of His. God loves you so much that he died for you, that he purchased an inheritance that he's longing to give you. You are precious in his eyes. And I pray that you internalize that truth today because when you internalize that truth, then you will treat other people around you differently. So that's the first thing, is to grasp that revelation of who we are as a child of God. Here's the second thing, is that we honor other people that we see their potential rather than their mistakes or their failures. You see, it's easy for us to treat people like they used to be rather than what they could be. And maybe it would be just it would change our relationships if we started treating people as though they were already there. And they rise to meet that encouragement or that new way that we are thinking about them. Actually, if you look through the letters of Paul in the New Testament, whenever he's writing to people, whenever he is talking to his fellow brothers and sisters, he talks about them as saints, not sinners. Why? Because they're not sinners in his mind anymore. The new creations in Christ. Sinners was their past life. Their new life is holy saints. So maybe it's a it's a new paradigm that we have to get our minds into so that when we walk into church, we, we look around and we go, hey, here's my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who I'm going to spend eternity with, who I'm co-laboring with in the kingdom. I honor them, and, and I pray that they would honor me. So it's, it's going in with that mindset. The third thing is we've got to speak it out. So it's one thing to think about our fellow brothers and sisters differently, but we've also got to use our words. And what does that look like? Well, Ephesians 4 verse 29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, it's not just enough to think it, we have to say it. We have to give those encouraging words to people. And sometimes, actually, to be honest, that, I feel a bit awkward doing that. And I was pondering on that this week. Why, why do I feel a bit awkward doing that? And I think part of it is our culture in New Zealand. You know, this tall poppy syndrome. We, we've just had um, both the Olympics and the Paralympics. And... You know, in New Zealand, there's this real honouring of, you know, the the Sophie Pascoe's or the Lisa Carrington's who win gold medals for our country. We go, oh, yeah, you're fantastic. But, you know, think about this. They don't need the encouragement when they get the gold medal, although they need the honouring, the celebration when they get the gold medal. But surely when they need the encouragement is when they're doing the training. That when If you saw one of them train, you'd go up to them and go, Hey, you're doing awesome. You know, you're one of our most elite athletes. Hey, I'm right behind you. Hope you do well. All the best for the Olympics. That's, that's when they need the encouragement because that's when they're doing the hard work. We don't need just the honouring and the encouragement when we get to heaven. Yes, that's great. That will be the reward. That's the celebration. we're all on that discipleship journey now and we should be encouraging each other now come on keep going fulfill your potential i'm right behind you how can i bring out the best in you how can i help you be all that god has called you to be and so think of specific ways that you can encourage each other in the body of christ A, a good example of this is um I think it was the end of last year, but it could have been the end of the year before, but somewhere around was I remember it was the end of the year. Reuben Bowman came up to me. Um, Reuben Bowman came up to me and he said, hey Warren, I just want to encourage you. And he had, he had baked this really beautiful loaf of bread. And hey, I don't mind a nice loaf of bread. So I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. But then he gave some explanation around the gift. He said, Warren, I've baked you this loaf of bread because I feel that you put all this effort into explaining the word of God to us. And God's given you that gift and anointing to explain the word of God to us. And it's like you are feeding me every week. and And it's good food. It's not just ordinary food. It's it's life-giving food, and I just want to thank you for uh, teaching us accurately the Word of God this year. Now, that was really encouraging me. That, that really built me up, because it wasn't just saying, hey, Warren, you're a cool guy, you know, keep, keep going, you know, keep going in God. But he had actually put a whole lot of thought into how to encourage me, and how to encourage me in the call of God and what God had placed around my life. And so that's the journey that we're going on over the next few weeks, where we think about how we build a culture of encouragement in St. Martin C3, where we specifically and powerfully encourage each other in the call of God that's on our lives. But the foundation to that culture of encouragement is actually our identity in Christ. It's knowing who we are in Christ first and then changing our perspective so that we look at each each other differently. And then once we've done that, we take the next step and push against our tall poppy syndrome in our culture and actually speak out those words of encouragement so that we build each other up in Christ. We do need each other. We do need to build each other up and actually in the devotional notes that are attached um, this week, you you can download them and read your way through them. There's about five different ways that, or five different times that I explore on how what that encouragement looks like and how we can bring that encouragement to each other. So that's kind of the journey that we're going on in the next uh, few weeks. And maybe a practical application for you this week in your relationships that you have, and especially... And the relationships that you have with those in the body of Christ. Maybe you could think about a specific encouragement you could give that person. Or even as you're in conversation with that person, be praying that God gives you a word or an insight of encouragement that you could pass on and specifically encourage them with. I think if we could do that, that would be it would it would just lift us to a whole new level of encouragement and um, people building each other up in St Martin C3. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.